Thank you for listening to Bible Church of God podcast. You can check us out on the web at BibleChurchOfGodWV.org. If you have your Bibles, go to James chapter 4, verse 12. Amen. James chapter 4, verse 12. Praise the Lord. I believe that if we take this into consideration and we apply what I'm going to preach today um, into our lives, that we can see a, a critical spirit lead. Now, we can all be critical. How many understand that? And, and that's not what really what I'm talking about, although we should probably deal with that. But I'm talking about when, when we are constantly controlled by being critical. It was interesting that Pastor Tommy mentioned Absalom. And if you read the story of Absalom, that was powered by a critical spirit. That was powered by a young man who thought he could do a better job running the kingdom than his father. And so he picked out every flaw. And you have to go and read. I'm not going to preach on that this morning. But sometimes we can, we can get that, that kind of a spirit on us. So this morning, we're going to talk about the treatment of a critical spirit. James chapter 4, verse 12 says, There is one lawgiver who is able to save and to destroy. Who are you to judge another? Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you this morning that it is blessed and that it will accomplish today everything, God, that you set out for it to accomplish. I pray, God, that this past week, God, that we have allowed our hearts and our spirits, God, to, to, to let your word get into us and we've allowed it to work in us and that this morning, God, we will be willing, God, to submit ourselves unto you. That, we might, that you might deal with the, some of these issues in our lives. Lord. And we just give you praise, honor, and glory. In Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen. I talked to you last week, and I spoke about how when you go to the doctor, how the process that happens, you go to the doctor, and in most cases, if they know what they're doing, they're going to examine you before they come up with a, a diagnosis. But they're going to examine you, they're going to diagnose what the problem is, and then they're going to treat to the best of their ability, that problem. And we talk about how it is sometimes very uncomfortable to go through that process of examination, diagnosis, and treatment. Amen? And so it's the same way with spiritual things that in order for us to receive from God, in order for us to be changed by His power and His Spirit, we must, the Bible says, to examine ourselves. But we need to do that through the lens of the Holy Ghost. And so we have to examine ourselves and allow the Holy Spirit to diagnose the problem. And then we've got to be part of the treatment. This morning we're going to talk about the treatment of a critical spirit. For just a moment, give me about five minutes and I'm going to review last week just in case you weren't here so you have some idea what we're talking about. Um, we talked about the examination um, we talk about a critical spirit is rooted in pride, jealousy, anger, fear, control, and insecurity. The initial signs of a critical spirit is someone who always points out the negative in everything. Amen. I, I can start preaching it again this morning. I'm not going to. Where <laughs> you leave every situation saying something negative. You find yourself leaving every everything, you, every event you go to, every family gathering, every time you talk to someone, whatever happens, if you leave there going, man, did you see this? Did you, and bringing out the negative, you might have a critical spirit. Actually, you do have a critical spirit. You look for the negative while ignoring the positive. 
You, you don't even look for the positive in things, but you look for the negative while, instead of, while ignoring all the good things. In your eyes, the negative outweighs the positive. It's hard for you to see the positive because the negative outweighs it. As someone with a critical spirit is blind to their own faults while they magnify others and magnify their, they don't see the things that are wrong with them, but they'll point out in a heartbeat what's wrong with everybody else. Man, it's the manifestations or things that happen because of a critical spirit. Complaining. People with a critical spirit are constant complainers. They would, they would not be happy, if the old saying is, if you hung them with a new rope. <laughs> that nothing can make them happy. No matter what you do for them, it, 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 you know, if, you, if you go and you go and clean their whole house, they'd walk in and go, well, you missed a spot. Come on. You, you could work all day long and, you, and then walk in and go, well, you forgot to take the trash out. That, that is a complaining spirit. That everything you do, you complain. That is a critical spirit. Judgment, living in judgment of others. Constant, and you don't even have to say it. We can live in judgment without ever saying a word. When we drive down the road, we see somebody walking down the road and we think to ourselves, wow, what a loser they are. Look at them. How could they get themselves in that mess? Hmm, look at that. Huh. How, how, how could they dress like that? How could they act like that? How could, how, how could, I can't believe they just went in the store and bought a case of beer. Can you believe that? And we live in constant judgment of other people. And then the, 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 the last thing was the, the, the most wonderful thing was gossiping. Because some people with a critical spirit, they just can't keep it to themselves. Amen. Some people's favorite Sunday 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 afternoon meal is when they have the preacher for dinner because they gossip about what's going on. They gossip about their brothers. They gossip about they leave the, if you leave a church service and the first thing you start doing is can you believe so and so did this? Can you believe the preacher said this? Can you believe that blah 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 that that is a critical spirit. And when you begin to draw other people into that with you, you are now gossiping. Come on, and we're going to talk, we're going to reach on these things again today, but we're going to talk about how to fix it. Amen. So overcoming a critical spirit, that's the review. See, I told you it was less than five minutes. That's the review. And so today we're going to go deal with the treatment. You know, the doctor will say, they'll write a prescription. All right, I'm going to give you this and this antibiotic, and I'm going to give you this pain pill, and blah, blah, blah. And they're going to do all this. And they're going to hand you a prescription and say, if you do these things for this amount of days, this should cure it. This morning, I'm going to just, and, and please understand that in the, in the next 45 minutes to an hour, there's no way that I can touch everything, but I, I'm going to try to pull out the most important things that I believe you can do as a child of Christ to be able to overcome a critical spirit. The first thing in overcoming a critical spirit is you must recognize that a critical spirit is sin. Now, I grew up in the church, and I realized that there's a lot of critical spirits in church. Here's the problem and why it was never touched on, because most people saw a critical spirit as nothing more than a personality trait. Well, they're just bold. Well, they just speak their mind. Uh, you know where I'm at this morning. They just they just say what they want to say. You just got to overlook them. That's just the way that they are. And we they, we don't we don't look as a at a critical spirit as a sin. We look at it as a personality trait, and we and we make people. We just kind of say, well, listen, it's it's who I am. Others are going to have to deal with it. Come on. But Ephesians chapter four verse twenty nine says this. 
Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. Now, in the King James, I believe, is let no filthy communication come out of your mouth. And so we've always taken that way, well, you shouldn't cuss. Right? Now, you shouldn't cuss, but we've, oh, you shouldn't say bad things. But you should not be critical because when you're being critical of others, you are corrupting your conversation. He says the only thing that should come out of our mouths is those things that are necessary for edification. Edification is to lift up or build up. In other words, we should speak things to people not to bring them down, but that build them up. Now, is there times and places for constructive criticism? Yes. And you've got to be willing to take that when it's done in a, in a, in a loving manner. We're not talking about that today. We're talking about the criticalness where we do not, we, we constantly tear people down. Jesus basically told us that it is a sin to be critical of others. It is a sin to live under this. To feel as though you're better than someone else. So once you've realized, you've come to the realization that having a critical spirit, whether you're being critical of your spouse, whether you're being critical of other church people, whether you're being critical of your children, whether you're being critical of the preacher, the church, your, 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 the people you work with, no matter who you're being critical of, when you realize that by doing that you are committing sin, then you do what you do with every other sin. You confess it. Come on, you got to confess it. Don't act like it's not there. you got to confess it. 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. First you must confess, Hey, I have a problem. I am too critical of others. I am too critical of others. The next thing that we must do to overcome a critical spirit is allow love to work in you. Now, this is important. 1 Peter 4, 8, And above all things, have fervent love for one another, for love will cover a multitude of sins. I'm going to hang my hat here for just a moment. Because if we come in contact with the love of God, if we come in contact with His love and His mercy, it is impossible for us to live a life being critical of others because that love that is in us will, will find itself on other people. I heard Pastor Tommy talking this morning about the root beer and how when you put root beer, if you put it in, it'll, it'll flow over. When you begin to get filled up with the love of God, that love has no choice but to go unto others. It spreads. How many's ever noticed that a bad attitude spreads? Oh, come on. Listen, <laughs> I'm married and I have a child, and I understand that if I come home, and, and the whole house can be in a good mood, but if I come home in a bad mood, it's not going to take long before everybody's in a bad mood. It spreads. Come on. You can be, you can be having the best day you've ever had. Start hanging around with somebody who's critical. It spreads, but so does love. When you begin to show love to people who, who others may think don't deserve love, when you begin to show the love of Christ to others who, who the world has said are outcasts and rejects, when you allow yourself to love them as Christ has loved you, the love of God covers a multitude of sin. Ooh, I feel His anointing in this place. 
How many understands that even we can be, even become critical of ourselves? Well, I've talked a lot about being critical of others, but many times people who are critical of others, the reason they're critical of others is because they're extremely critical of themselves. And so everything they do, it's not good enough to them. Now, let's just be honest. And I'm not, I'm not Dr. Phil or anything. But I've been around long enough to understand that a critical spirit many times is passed on from generation to generation. Because if chances are if you grow up in a home with a parent who is critical of you, everything you do, you're going to be critical of yourself and everything you do. And if you're critical of yourself and everything you do, you're going to find yourself being critical of everyone else. Come on. It is passed on. Freaking out over little things because you're critical of yourself. Do I have any perfect people here this morning? Wonderful. We do not have any perfect people. If anybody raised their hand, I'd have said, well, we have at least one liar. <laughs> but we don't have any perfect people. Come on. But if you're a human being living on this earth, you're going to mess up. Come on. Now, I'm not, I'm not giving you an out and say, I can do whatever I want to because the pastor said I'm going to mess up. Yeah, you're going to mess up. But the Bible also tells us not to use the grace of God as an occasion to sin. To know what to do with good and do with it not is sin. And that's another stuff. But, but you are going to mess up. You're going to fall. You're going to, do, you're, you're, going to, you're going to say some things. You're going to do some things. And if you live under a state of guilt all the time, guilt is a spirit. People who live under a spirit of guilt feel guilty about everything. They can walk by somebody, hi, how are you? And think, oh my goodness, I can't believe. I hope, I hope they didn't think I was being mean. You said, hi, how are you? How? But that spirit of guilt will make you feel guilty about everything and you become critical of yourself and it makes you critical of others. But let me tell you what fixes all of that. The love of Jesus Christ. Realizing that He knows everything about you. He knows where you've been. He knows what you've done. He knows what you thought. He knows everything you've gone through. He knows all the stuff that nobody else knows. And guess what? He still loves you. And when you realize that, you'll no longer be critical of yourself because you'll know that the God of the universe that stood out on nothing and spoke the world into existence loves you. And if He loves you, then you're lovable. Whew. You ever met people that you thought, they're just not lovable? Oh, come on. Man, they're just not. They're just, I just, I'm just going to stay away from them because they're just... The old saying is that if you don't have anything good to say about somebody, don't say anything at all. But I believe, and I've always, and I've always been told, that if you can't get along with somebody, stay away from them. But I believe the love of Christ goes beyond that. Oh, Jesus. It goes beyond just having to stay away from someone because it, it, it goes to a place where now the bitterness and the anger you felt toward them becomes love and compassion. Where you are transformed by the love of Christ. Where you're transformed in a way that you now treat people that, 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 you, that others may feel you deserve not to hate and to be bitter toward, but now you treat them with love and compassion. 
Now that's supernatural. Let me just say that. If we begin to see others through the lens of His love and His mercy, it will be impossible for us to be critical of them. Let me tell you why. Because we can look at people. There's a story in Scripture where the Bible says that Jesus was sleeping underneath the boat and he was sleeping and the storm came and the men thought they were going to die and they went running and said, Master, do you care not that we perish? And the Bible says he got out of bed, walked up, and the Bible says that he rebuked the wind and spoke to the waves. He rebuked the wind and he spoke to the waves. He didn't rebuke the waves. Why? Because the waves were nothing more of a manifestation of the wind. He went to the root of the problem and rebuked it. And then he spoke to the waves. And many times we rebuke people instead of rebuking the spirit that's causing them to manifest the things that that spirit wants them to manifest. So we get angry at people without, without taking a step back and looking at where they're at. And so it's hard for us to love them because we're not seeing them as them. We're seeing them as the spirit they're being controlled by. Come on. And so we've got to get to the root of the problem, which is a spiritual problem. I don't believe in bondage management. I believe in deliverance. Oh, come on now. I believe in people being delivered by the power of God, getting to the root of that thing, casting that thing down and allowing them to live in freedom. Now listen, so you must love and allow the the love of God to work through you and work in you. See, so it's not just an outward thing, but it's working in you. When you love others, no matter the circumstance, if you love someone, you're not going to want to tear them down. Can I tell you that being critical of someone, tears it tears them down. How often have you come to church? And heard the word and heard how, how God feels about you and left out of there with a, with, with, with a new lease on life. And as soon as you walked out the door, Satan began to whisper in your ear and say, you're not worthy of that. You can't do that. You're not like those other people. You can't live that kind. And all of a sudden, you went from here to here all because of a critical spirit. Or he'll begin to remind you of what you've done in the past. He'll begin to remind you of, of, of all the things you've done and say, now do you really think that God can love and use someone like you? It's a lie from the enemy. But if we learn to love people, we will not purposely be critical of those that we love. You don't want to tear down people you love. Listen, if you, if you, if you get your thrills off of tearing down people, then you don't love them. Anybody who has lived in an abusive marriage finds out very quickly that they are bound by that thing because someone has so tore them down and told them they were no good and told them they weren't worth anything that now they can control them because they believe it. They believe they're not worth anything. And so they can be controlled by that. They can be controlled by the constant being critical. And being tore down and they can say, well, but I love you. No, you, you will not tear down those you love. My goodness, you're quiet this morning. I thought you'd be a little bit happier about this one. In everything that we do, we must allow love to lead us. Don't ever go into circumstances in anger. Come on now. 
You know, the old, the old, the old adage is, is count to ten before you respond. Now, that's not in the Bible, but I'm telling you, it's a good idea. Because if you just count to ten, you, you have a moment to think about what the stupid thing you're about to say. Come on now. All right. So we must let love lead us. Let it love when we're dealing with others. When we're dealing, how many understand there are people that are hard to deal with? I, I, listen, I am not being, I'm not so ignorant to think that there aren't people in this world that are just tough to deal with, that make you want to pull every every piece of your hair out of your head and walk around screaming. There are people like that, and in ourselves, we can't deal with that. Come on. We become irritated by that. But if we are led by love, we're not looking at how irritating we're. We're looking at the fact that God created them from the beginning and that he loves them and he cares for them and that he wants you to treat them with the love that he's given you. The love of God always puts more emphasis on the good in somebody than the bad. Now, you may be able to point out a lot of bad in people, but I don't care how bad they are, there's always... It may just be a speck, but there's always good in people. Somewhere. Somewhere. You, you'll find them at some point where they had they weren't who they are now. How many understand that we are we are a we are our experiences? I'm not I'm at 40 years old, I'm not the same person I was at three. Because as I've gotten older, I've experienced things. And those things change how we look at the world. And it changes. And I've seen people that I knew here and hadn't seen them in 20 years and went and talked to them and realized, wow, they've changed. Time changes us. Time changes us. It cha experiences change us. But what we have to understand is, is no matter what somebody's been through and how bad it may seem, that there's nothing that anybody can do and no place they can go that the love of God cannot reach them. Now the church has done a really bad job of this. Can I just be honest? In, in past times, is that we wanted to scare people into the kingdom. We want to, we want to scare them into the kingdom. Now don't get me. I, I've I have preached my. I've preached my fill of sermons on hell because I think we should realize it's there. Come on, it's not it hasn't disappeared. But I've seen more people converted by coming to the realization of the love of Christ than I've ever seen them converted by fear. Now I've seen people respond to fear. I've I've, I've done a lot of church camps. And man, I'll tell you what, you preach a sermon on hell at a church camp and you'll, you'll, you'll empty that place out coming to the altar. But that doesn't mean they're changed. My goodness. There's a big difference between responding to an emotional feeling. I remember years ago they used to come to this area. Some of the churches had the old the play um, Heaven's, Heaven's Gates, Hell's Flames. How many have ever been to that? Where they, they do a play. And it's a, it's a powerful, I mean, it's a powerful thing. And, and, and when I remember even as a kid, who I was pretty sure I was saved, but I was sitting there going, I'm scared to death. I'm I don't want to go to that place there. And, and, and I seen people rush to the altars. Oh God, I don't want to go to hell. But that wasn't enough. A relationship with the lover of them is what keeps them in intimacy with them. They've got to understand that he loves them. 
He loved them so much that he don't want them to go to hell. And the Bible said it is his kindness that leads us to repentance. That's the word. And so God always sees the good in people. But he loves you so much that when he finds the good and you give yourself to him, he slowly and step by step begins to work on the things that are wrong in you. Not because he condemns you, but because he loves you. And he wants you to be the best you you can be. Amen? To love like this, we must first know the love of God personally. The Bible says that the greatest commandment that Jesus gave, he said, love the Lord thy God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and love your neighbor as yourself. So number one, love the Lord thy God with all your heart, mind, and soul. That's the first. You've got to love him and know his love before you can ever love anybody else. And he says, love your neighbor as yourself. Can I tell you that if you hate yourself, you cannot love anybody else? You can't. If you, if you look in the mirror and despise who you are, you cannot love somebody else. It's impossible. Now, I'm not talking about narcissism. I'm not talking about it having an ego and, and being the world revolves around you. But I am talking about looking in the mirror and realizing that I was made by the hand of God. And no matter what I've done and where I've been, He loves me so much that He gave His Son on the cross to die for me. And I am worth loving. Come on. I'm worth it. I'm worth He, he loved me so that He gave His life. I'm worth something. And when you come to that realization, then you can open up to allow others to love you and you to love them. The love of God. The next thing that we must have in order to overcome this critical spirit is a lifestyle of prayer. I'm not talking about praying. I'm talking about having a lifestyle of prayer. In order for us to tame a critical spirit, we must live in constant communication with the Father. Now, in all actuality, this, this applies to all spirits, not just a critical spirit, but that's what we're talking about today. Because if you have communication with the Father, you have intimacy with the Father, then what you will find is, is that what you say and what you do will be changed. How many understand that if you hang around with somebody long enough, you begin to take on some of their traits? And so if you're in constant communication with God, who He is is going to rub off on you. If you get in this Word and begin to allow Him to speak to you through this Word and you begin to see how Jesus reacted to critical people, He dealt with them. You'll begin to act like He did. And so we've got to have a lifestyle of prayer. And, and you need to understand something this morning. The more time you spend praying for someone, the less time you can, you can spend being critical of them. What if, think for a moment, let's, let, let's, go, let's go to like an alternate universe where people, when someone irritated them, instead of picking up the phone and telling someone how much they were irritated by what this person did, they went to their prayer closet and begin to pray for them. What if when your husband or your wife irritates you to the, to the point of wanting to jump out your back window, 
if you have a two-story house. Instead of jumping stiff-legged and yelling and screaming and being critical of them, what if you just walked away and went into your prayer closet? And what you might find is, is maybe the things you're being critical of, it's not that they need to be changed, maybe you do. Well, if, if he just pick up his socks, I wouldn't be so critical. Yes, you would. You'd find something else to be critical about. Because when you got a critical spirit, you got a critical spirit. That's the way that it is. Come on now. If he just put the toilet seat down, I'd really be such a happy person. If she just quit nagging me, and if she would just leave me alone. And we get so angry. And we, and, but if they would just do what I want them to do, then my life would be perfect. No, it wouldn't because you'd find something else to be critical about. Come on now. If my kids would just listen to me, well, they're not going to all the time. If they would just do everything that I wanted them to do perfectly, well, welcome to the real world where that's not happening. Come on. Sometimes it's not others that need to be changed. Sometimes it's you. Well, I just you know, one thing I find in marriage counseling very quickly is that it's very seldom that you ever talk to and they go, it's my fault. I'm just so horrible. It's, I'm, not that it hasn't happened, but it's, it's very rare. Because there's a list of everything that they do that irritates, and it's all their fault. I'm a good person. They're a bad person. I don't know why I married the bum. And, and there's, it's all the other person's fault. When I, I believe that if we come to a place where we begin to get in prayer, God will not only change them, but he will change us. My wife and I read a book before we got married. Um, we were given a, a set of books. One is The Power of a Praying Husband. One is The Power of a Praying Wife. If you're married, read it. Read them both. But... I remember the one thing that the woman said. She said that she was very picky of her husband and she would get so irritated because he'd leave his socks laying out. He'd leave his socks laying out. And so he said, she said that one day she was yelling and screaming about the fact that his socks was laying there. And she went to pick them up and, and she said all of a sudden the Holy Spirit spoke to her and said one of these days his socks won't be there to pick up. You won't have to worry about it. One of these days... He won't be there to irritate you. One of these days, she won't be there to nag at you. I believe that if we find ourselves in a lifestyle of prayer, that God will reveal these things to us. And all of a sudden, the stuff that we... Can I tell you that the majority of things we complain... Not, not that there aren't real problems in the world, because there are. But it's not a national security violation if somebody doesn't pick something up. I mean, just be honest where they don't do something exactly the way you want. We need to choose our battles. And we need to, we need to come to the realization what is important and what is not important. All right, I've got to move on. A lifestyle prayer. The more time you spend praying for somebody, the less time you can spend talking about them. Talk about them all you want to. Just talk about them to him, not somebody else. Let your actions speak louder than your words. There was a young boy who was complaining to his father that most of the church hymns were boring to him. They were too far behind the times. And they had meaningless words and they were just, they were just downright boring. So his, pa his father, after hearing this for a while, finally got irritated and said, 
said to him that if, if you think you could do a better job, then go to your bedroom and write a hymn. And so when he did this, he went to his bedroom and, and he began to write. And he wrote his first hymn. It was called When I Survey the Wondrous Cross. The year was 1690. And Isaac Newton was the boy. And he wrote over 600 hymns that would survey the wondrous cross. Joy to the world. You know why? They said that, they said that he actually, as even as a young man, that he would write a hymn for every Sunday. So for two years straight, he wrote a hymn for every Sunday. He stopped complaining about it and started putting something to action. People will come into a situation where they, where they didn't lift a finger to do anything, but yet they have their opinion about it all. Oh, see. And so instead of being critical, instead of being critical of something, why don't we start putting some action into doing something? Are you out there? Amen. I'm so tired of my situation. Then do something to change it. Einstein said that the, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. Listen, if it hasn't worked for the past 20 years, it's probably not going to work now. If the same argument in your home hasn't changed your marriage in the last 15 years, it's probably not going to change it now. So you might want to try something different. You might want to put some action behind your complaining. Amen? i got one amen. Praise the Lord. It's always easier to complain about something than it is to actually do something. Right? It's always easier to complain about something than it is. <laughs> if you're not willing to do something yourself, then you don't have the right to criticize when somebody else is trying. I, I just love it when people outside the church who don't step foot in a church sit back and criticize how, how somebody's running a church. Amen? Martin Luther, he had some problems with the church too. And guess what? He decided to change it. He did something. Put some actions. And quit complaining about things that you don't have any part of. In order to overcome a critical spirit, we must give up our need to be right. Now this is going to be tough. So I'm gonna, I should have wore some armor or something. St. Augustine said, Lord, deliver me from the lust of vindicating myself. Some people just don't like to be wrong. They can't. They will even once you've proved them wrong, they will argue that they're right. And then they'll turn it around and act like you were the one that was wrong to begin with. Okay. Announcement. Breaking news. Fox News. You're not always right. You don't know it all. Come on. And when you come to that realization, you'll be happier because you won't have to spend all your time trying to prove that you're right about everything. This is, why, this is why we're not getting anything done in Washington is because people will not let go of their right to be right. right. This is why this nation's falling apart at the seams because nobody wants to be wrong. Lord, deliver me from the lust of vindicating myself. Who do you have to prove yourself to? Come on. And, and, and if you feel the need to make other people upset by, by proving how right you are, then you have a critical spirit. 
You have a critical spirit. You need to deal with that. If it eats you up, if someone won't believe that you're right, you've got a problem, and you need to deal with it. You need to deal with it because you're not always right. Proverbs 12, 15. This is the God's Word translation. A stubborn fool considers his own way the right one. But a person who listens to advice is wise. A stubborn fool, one translation, I believe it was the English, English Standard. I think it was the English Standard said stupid people. That's what it said. Stupid people think they're right all the time. A stubborn fool considers his own way the right one. And that doesn't mean you're not right sometimes. But sometimes you're not right. And the only way to figure that out is by listening to somebody else. Now, at the end of listening to them, you go, you know, I, 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 I still think I'm right. And that's fine. But listen. And if it's not worth arguing over, just drop it. Okay. You guys are quiet this morning. I'm trying to get through this quickly. But you're being awful quiet. Do you, know, do you know how much time and effort we waste during the week doing nothing but trying to prove that we're right? It even happens in church. How often in church, in church do we study the Bible, not, not to actually gain anything from it, but to prove somebody else wrong? We waste a lot of time and effort trying to be right about everything. We begin to slay pride. When we begin to slay pride in our life and we give up that constant nagging to be right, We'll be free. Because when you feel you always have to be right, then you're critical. In order to, to combat a critical spirit, we must look at others through the eyes of Christ. How many's glad this morning? Raise your hands. How many's glad this morning that when Christ, when God looks at you, he doesn't see you, but he sees the blood of Jesus? Oh, come on. How many, how many's thankful? That he doesn't see who you, but when he sees you, he sees the blood of Jesus Christ. And see. Why is it we feel we should receive that? And when we see others, all we see is their failures. That's looking at others through your eyes. He says, I need you to look at every situation and every person through my eyes. And when we do that, we'll realize that we have been forgiven. Has anybody here been forgiven of your sins? Oh, come on. And the Bible says, much given, much required. More so that you've been forgiven, you must, you must forgive others. But you don't know what they did to me. The Bible didn't say he cared. You must forgive. If for no other reason for yourself. Isaiah 5.21 says, Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes and prudent in their own sight. <laughs> if we think that we're better than everybody, then we're prideful and we're deceived. We're deceived. Nobody here was born saved. Nobody. Nobody nobody come out of the womb speaking in tongues. We were all born into sin, just like everybody else. And we had to make a decision for Jesus Christ. So what makes us, I don't care what your upbringing was, what makes you think that somehow you're, you know, it, it amazes me sometimes in the, in, in, the, in the world of ministry. You know how many people I've met who come from maybe uh, families that are very ministerial, who think somehow they're above the law of God just because of what their last name is? As a matter of fact, can I say this? If anything, if anything, those who have a greater light are in more danger. 
of the judgment of God. If anything, you need to ask God to remove selfishness. Are we, I know we don't have any selfish people in here this morning, but maybe maybe you can give this CD to somebody else or something and they'll get it. Philippians 2, 4, let each of you look at not look out not only for his own interest, but also for the interest of others. The next thing you need to do is you need to change the way you see yourself. If you're critical of yourself, you will be critical of others. If you hate yourself, you will hate others and be angry. If you're angry at yourself, you will, you know, sometimes before you can forgive other people, you've got to forgive yourself. You've got to forgive yourself because you can't be forgiven if you, if you won't forgive yourself. Allow God to deal with your insecurities. We talked last week that most critical people, most critical people are, are very insecure on the inside. That's why they're so critical of others. They figure I'm going to point out their flaws before they see mine. And so we've got to deal with our insecurities. Don't listen to the lies of Satan when he begins to tell you how unworthy you are. That's a lie from the enemy. When, when, you know, it's just as sinful for you to be critical of yourself as it is for you to be critical of others. Come on now. All right. See yourself the way Christ sees you. Remember I said that you must see others the way Christ sees them. You also must see yourself the way Christ sees you. Because if you don't, you won't be able to see others. Remember that Christ has forgiven you. This is, this, this is, this is, no matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, no matter how bad your mistakes have been, no matter what you've said to others, no matter what kind of damage you've done, and listen, we've all done damage to ourselves, we've all done damage to others, no matter how deep the destruction seems to be around you and in, in, in your decisions that you've made. If you've asked God to forgive you of those things and you've repented, in the eyes of God, those things no longer exist. Now, Satan will try to remind you, people will try to remind you of who you were. And many times, what Satan will do is he will place a fear within people. Because they don't want to be that person again. And he will bring massive amounts of fear upon them that I will be there again. But the Bible says those that the sun set free are free indeed. Those that the sun set free are free indeed. You are forgiven. You are free. This morning, I told you last week, I said, I, said, I want to make sure because I could have given an altar call last week after pointing out all the critical things, but I didn't feel led to do that because I felt that you needed to you needed to you needed to marinate in what what the Holy Ghost spoke last week. But this morning, I want you to realize that there is deliverance from this. I don't think you understand how miserable a critical spirit can make you. God is able to deliver you and set you free from a critical spirit. He's able to set you free completely. And not only will everybody around you be happier, so will you. Thank you for listening to Bible Church of God podcast. You can check us out on the web at BibleChurchOfGodWV.org.